Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, your new favorite travel podcast, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation with myself or with a guest. And we basically talk about how um, travel has really changed our lives. The experience of travel is so much more than vacation alone could ever be. So if you're new, that's it in a nutshell. And if you've been here before, Appreciate you. Welcome to Fuck Back and strap in everybody. So getting a little bit better at this jumping to the point thing. Oh, if you're watching, which I suggest you do, this is my little co-host. This is Thinksy, extra cute today. She's smiling for you with her two little teeth. Um, and if you're listening on the podcast, if you hear like breathing, it's, I promise it's not me. It's the dog. If you hear smacking and she, it's, it's a dog. She's really cute. So check us out on YouTube. If you don't know where the YouTube is, head over to travelandshitpodcast.com and you can catch every episode right there on the website. So jumping to it, my beautiful guest with this amazing hair, please Hi. introduce yourself. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad to be with you. So for all of you, I'm glad that you're here. My name is Michaela Brown and I am a fashion anthropologist. You're probably wondering what that is. And there's more of us in the world now, but when I started this kind of role for myself, crafted it a few years ago, there wasn't that many of us. And basically what I do is I look at the intersections between fashion and culture. And so looking at things like history and politics, even you know your family makeup, how those shape the things that the ways that you dress. Um, my work right now is takes many different forms. So I am a professor for diversity and inclusion, as well as fashion and culture for some universities here in New York. And I am also an entrepreneur and I have a cultural shopping tour company called Sidewalk Safaris. That's how I met D. Carey. And basically what I do is I take people through the neighborhood. Think of it like a food tour, but for shopping, I take people through the neighborhood and I break down the history, the culture, the politics that shape the dynamics in the community, but also shape the way that fashion artisans actually create and make their design choices. And I do that in predominantly minority communities and by my predominantly minority owned boutiques. And I operate in Harlem and in Atlanta. And I was supposed to launch in LA and then the pandemic came. So once oh, that's right. over, we'll be doing that in LA as well. So let's be clear. This is doctor. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm flexing for you. Okay. Let's, let's put that respect on the name. Thank you. I do have a doctorate in anthropology and education from Columbia. <laughs> there you go <laughs> so she knows what she's talking about and let me start by saying um like you mentioned we met on one of your sidewalk safari tours in Harlem I um booked with you and I actually used um that footage that we recorded in my solo travel planning course which is available for the free download if you head over to travelshippodcast.com please go to the shop section and download you a free copy of the workbook. It is there for your perusing. And in the workbook, I actually um, explain through examples of how I book all of my own trips. And I felt like the easiest way to explain how to book a trip was to actually take you through the process with me. So I booked through Airbnb, the sidewalk safari here in Harlem. Well, not here, I don't live in Harlem, I'm in Southside, <laughs> which is in Queens. I uh, booked a safari, sidewalk safari tour with Michaela in Harlem and we immediately became like, it was a great connection. We really uh, connected well. And I had an incredible time. I'm not a fashion girl, right? 
throw me I don't think y'all ever seen me in anything more than like a t-shirt and I promise you I've got on shorts and sweats every time I record might have worn a blouse once by accident that being (laughs) said I'm not one that can say I am uh overly into fashion um for my own self but I do appreciate fashion for the creativity of it all, for the expression of it all. For me, that's what fashion uh, really symbolizes. It's an expression of yourself. And me being in sweats and t-shirts, the expression of myself is I'm good. Like I'm just, I'm a laid back, I'm a relaxed, chill person. I prefer comfort over all else. If well, I that's your style in. profile, and that has as much merit as someone who wears sequins mm-hmm. and tools. That has just as much merit. Do love a good sequin, though. Okay. I've got a sequin dress. Speaking of, around this time last year, we were supposed to go to the- um, Oh, the, that's um, right. That's where I got Corona. We were supposed yep. to go to a gala together. That's where I got and Corona. And I was so worried. I was just like, damn, I spent all this money on this ticket, but okay, now I'm hungry. I got myself a sequin-ass dress. It was so cute. I hope I- you, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you got sequins and not Corona. And I hope we yes. can get to see you in that at some point in the future. Yes. So on the sidewalk tour, what I did also really appreciate was all of the history that you were able to pack into the experience. And so I guess let's start with the experience. Like, how did you come up with this idea and what about it was important enough to you to actually make it a thing? Well, initially I was really inspired by Anthony Bourdain and his all of his travel shows because he wasn't only telling you about the food, he was telling you why certain communities ate what they ate, mm-hmm. what the history is of that food for that community, and then where you should eat when you go, right? So he gave you a really comprehensive understanding of the community through the lens of food. And I wanted to do the same thing with fashion because I'd always been a world traveler. I'd lived all over the world. And for me, you just, I felt like you could learn so much about a culture or a community just based on how the people dressed. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the Travel Channel beating down my door to give me a show randomly. So I thought, how yes. can I start this on a small little level, person by person? And so, and so I started the tour company, had no experience having a tour company at all, but just knew that there were people out there like me who love traveling and equally love fashion. And always, it doesn't always crossover that way like I think when people think about travelers you think about Birkenstocks and big book bags and come I just got my first pair (laughs) right right welcome to that life but for me I'm the person who travels to Africa lived in Africa wear heels everywhere wear sequins everywhere and really pay attention to the local culture through clothing and so I just created kind of a a small following of like-minded people and I also knew that they would want to know the history. They would want to remember that article of clothing that they got in that neighborhood and what it represented for them, what it meant to them, that particular thing. Oh, that was a place where we went to Harlem and we had that great food and I got this great top. It would just create that story. And I know when most people travel, they're always like pre-gaming, like pre-planning their, where they're going to eat. Mm-hmm. But I knew there were people like me who are pre-planning where they're going to shop or what they're going to look for, look for. And I also felt, you know, specifically looking at minority-owned communities and boutiques, it was a great opportunity to talk about cultural appropriation and get people familiar with that and make sure that they don't make mistakes that they don't intend to. There are some people who have a colonial mindset. And so, yeah, they'll go to a country and take whatever they want and never question if it's okay. 
but I felt like it was my role as an anthropologist and a guide to make sure that they had a really strong understanding of what that piece of clothing represented for the culture right. and make sure that it actually fit their own style story, right? Like, I don't want people to come to Harlem and buy something just because it was made in Harlem. I want them to come to Harlem, buy something because it connects with their own story and they realize the overlap between the Harlem and culture and their own culture. That just makes the piece more rich, but it also means the appreciation of what Harlem is is even deeper because it's a personal connection. And mm -hmm. that was really important to me as well. So what would you, what I guess piece of advice or um, guide, if you will, would you give sure. someone to kind of, usher them in the right direction to not appropriate a culture while yeah. they're abroad. Like what is, what's crossing the line? What kind of pieces uh, are okay in terms of like jewelry accessories? Um, right. Cause I know we've all seen, you know, you go on, I've never been on a cruise, but um, you go on a cruise and Susan comes on with straight blonde right. hair and day later she's got braids and shells at the end. And I'm sure we're all happy she's supporting local business and we're all happy that, you know, she spent her coin with, you know, a small business owner, but I know I've always kind of side-eyed it. Sure. So what kind of rules should someone follow in this sense, especially as people of color? Because I feel like a lot of us are, I don't want to say hyper aware, but we're for them. I won't speak for all of us. Right. I would say that there is a demographic of us that is aware. We know what cultural appropriation is. We know what that feels like, right? But how do we not make those same mistakes right. that we see other people do? What kind of um, guide or maybe rules of thumb should we keep in mind when we are shopping abroad so that we don't become people that we don't want to be? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I think you make a really good point that Sometimes it's the locals who are selling some of the clothing that could be offensive to someone within their own community. So I think research, pre-research, before you even step foot in that country doing that. And you do that anyway, like you're not, not many of us are getting on planes and landing in, in a country and saying, where am I gonna go next? Like you're already doing research on where you're gonna stay, where you're gonna eat, what you're gonna do at night. So I say just throw in some, a Google search or two about what is, what's, you know, the national garb, what do people wear there and do a deep dive on your own to know. So when you get there, you pay attention. And that's not only important for shopping while you're there, but dressing appropriately while you're there. Um, before I was a, before I had this tour company, I was a fashion designer and I made a collection in India and I did a ton of research about what I could wear in India. Cause I knew I was going to be there for a month. I knew I was a single woman and I knew that was going to be a specific, a very specific dynamic. And I wanted to be safe a, but I also didn't want to be disrespectful. So I did the research and I found out that I was going in the middle of monsoon season and it was going to be a hundred degrees every day, but I still had to cover my arms. And did I want to do that? No, but I felt like I was, it's like walking into someone's home. If they ask you to take off their sh yes. your shoes, you take off your shoes. Even if you're, you don't have a pedicure, you don't have an option, right? right. So I think it's really important to do that pre-research, not only for shopping, but just to make sure that you don't overstep on every other bounds of other people especially as women and especially as solo solo traveling women because a lot of women solo traveling women take my tour it's about safety it's about respect and you can't ask respect of other people and other cultures if you're not offering that um i so i think that's number one. Second, it's about having conversations right so mm -hmm. going into shops and kind of saying what does this piece mean to you who gets to wear this what does this symbolize so many cultures it's about 
you know, your marital status. It's about your age, what you get to wear. And I think we have a very, we have an easier understanding of respecting religious clothing norms. Like no one's rocking a Star of David for fun. No one's rocking a yarmulke for fun. No one's yeah. running, rocking a hijab for fun. But in some ways, a um, being nonchalant about someone's cultural significance of their clothing can be as debilitating and harmful. There is research that shows on um, Native American reserves that they have made a correlation between suicide and cultural appropriation, mm -hmm. that they have found that some high rates of, especially on young, amongst young people on Native American reservations are directly tied to cultural appropriation. Is it about people wearing their clothing as costumes? No, it's about the signals that are sent. You don't matter, your culture doesn't matter. We don't feel the need to respect you. And those things trickle down and they hit really hard. So I say, talk to as many people as possible. And three, also be gentle with yourself. There's no hard or fast rule. You can be in one country and on one block, someone's like, we don't care if you wear that, buy it for me. It's cool. And you could go to another block and someone's like, you should never wear that, right? It's about doing your due diligence. And, and it's really about giving credit, right? I read this great article this week where this woman described cultural appropriation as plagiarism. And it's just like that, like yeah. when you're writing a paper and you write adult paragraph, if your teacher reads it and you don't say, I got this idea from so-and-so, you could get kicked out of school. It's that same level of disrespect, right? If you're going to buy something from another country, when you wear that, when you get back home, you need to tell everybody about that piece, what it means to the culture, the designer, maybe they have an Instagram page, go check it out. Mm -hmm. A lot of cultural appropriation happens just because credit isn't given. Um, and then also we have to talk about money. Cultural appropriation really occurs where the financial windfall of somebody enjoying your culture doesn't hit the community directly, right? It's why we get mad at the Kardashians because that money doesn't trickle back into the community. So if you're buying it in that country, make sure you're buying it from a local artisan, someone who is from that culture, because there are a lot of, I would say, new age colonists who go to countries and yes. like buy all the national garb and then sell it. Don't buy it from someone who looks like you, buy it from someone who looks like them, right? Make sure that those dollars count for those communities that you're representing. I think those were really incredible points and easy enough to do. It's right. like, you're not asking anyone to write like the letter to a consulate and, you right. know, <laughs> ask for permission. It's just right. like, ask. And I think the asking questions is yeah. often one of the easier things, not the easier thing, I guess that would depend on your um, personality style, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you're looking for a reason to avoid small talk while you're abroad and you want yes. to really just get into knowing people and if you're traveling outside of, I don't wanna say outside of vacation as if vacation isn't traveling or that you know travel isn't vacation, but I think that travel is so much more than vacation. And if you're looking for ways to engage with local communities, if you're looking for ways to be intentional while traveling, that's a very basic question that you could easily ask. And, Absolutely. you know, you learn in the process and you're able to, um, you know, feel a little more confident in something that you're purchasing. And also it makes for a better story when you get home and somebody's like, oh, those earrings are really cute. Where'd you get those? Actually, I got them from and blah, 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 blah. Right. And like to go backwards. I remember you when you were saying you had looked up what to wear in India that reminded me of the time I went to, um, I had a nice little layover in Doha, in Qatar. Okay. And I absolutely, in that time, realized how American I am. Cause Ooh. I'm like, all right, so it's middle of Ramadan and it's gonna be hot as fuck. Yeah. But 
I got to cover my arms and like, yeah. So I have nothing. And I went through my clothes and I was just like, I really, you would think that, okay, just find something you'd wear in winter. No, but it's going to be like 99 degrees at 10 a.m. So you want to buy something that's going to be loose, something that's light colors or something that's easy to layer. And it just really gives me an appreciation for people that spend more time paying attention to what they wear. Because that's another thing about me and my personality. I don't really like that's another reason why I wear t-shirts and sweats because I don't like putting that much time sure. into putting together like my outfits. Now, don't let that confuse you. I can pull a look now. I, I believe it. I believe it. I can pull a look, y'all. I believe it. I need a reason. I'm, I, I'm not a, you know, get up and jazz it up on a regular day. I just have to be in a mood. Sure. But all that being said, you also mentioned you lived in India for a month. Where have you lived around the world? What's your travel yeah. style? Like, who are you as a traveler? So I have lived, I lived in Ghana for a year, West wow. Africa. I lived in Jamaica where I was born for two years as an adult because I migrated when I was a baby. So it was important for me to go back as an adult and kind of experience it on my own terms and not on the terms of my parents. Um, I've lived in London twice for three months, both times. Yeah, I I actually am kind of a person who likes to move and like not not try when I say move, I mean like literally like rent an apartment type situation. Um, I think because I'm an anthropologist, I realize that there's so many layers and intersectionalities when it comes to understanding culture. So I have traveled to maybe 35, 36 countries, nice. but my favorite is definitely living somewhere for a substantial amount of time. The older I get, the less comfortable that is, the harder it is to make friends. But I can say I really value the time that I was able to just completely immerse myself in a culture and get to see it. It's kind of like meeting somebody new, like they all seem great the first week, but then by the third month, you're like, oh, you're a little bit crazy. Yeah. I, like to, I like to kind of deep dive into cultures and understand them. And I think that's 100% my anthropological training. So yeah. Where did that come from? Like with your um, enjoyment of that, were you always like that? Were like you were a child that was into history and cultures and did you travel as a child? Did your family yeah. have a, you know, a, a role in opening your, your mind to these opportunities for you? Yeah, I think it really stems from my deep, deep pride for being a Jamaican, even though I don't have the accent and most Jamaicans will say I'm not Jamaican. I've always identified as Jamaican. And when we migrated from Jamaica, we moved to Boston and to a predominantly white community. And in many ways, my culture was my savior, right? Because I was like the only black girl. So weird bringing rice and chicken to lunch when people had like lunchables and just feeling yeah. <laughs> so awkward right and so finding my culture as a refuge and I didn't really understand that as a child I just knew I was really proud of being Jamaican dance hall was like my medicine I would go to school all day and feel like such a weirdo freak because my hair was plaited and I just felt like so weird and then I would go home and like listen to like Bounty and Beanie and feel like okay, these are my people. I'm not those people, but that's okay because these are my people. And so I think my cultural appreciation really started there. And then I remember when I was an undergrad, I got a, I, I was a marketer for this company called Daewoo. It's a, it's a Korean company and they make fridges, but they also make cars. I was about to say, they sell cars. But... Yeah, they, yeah, they okay. make cars and they sent a whole bunch. They had this like college ambassador program and they sent us to South Korea for a week. Ooh. And it was the first time that I'd ever really been anywhere that wasn't like Jamaican. Like I'd gone to Canada to see like my Jamaican cousins and you know, like, and I'd gone to Jamaica every year for Christmas and summer. 
but it was like my first like real international trip. And I just loved everything about it. I love the flight. I love being stuck on a plane for hours. I love the food. I love the clothing. I love the people. And after that, I did study abroad in London and then I just kept traveling. I just never stopped traveling. And even now as an adult, an entrepreneur and a professor, I'm really anchored in New York. And I miss that. I'm, I, you know, adulting makes you stay in one place, but I, I just think, I think that there's people in the world who are travelers and people who aren't. And I just yeah. was lucky enough to find out that I was at what, 1920 and haven't stopped since. So of all the places that you've been, I'd say, oh yeah. Okay. Not just the places that you've lived, but of the sure. places that you visited and spent time, where would you feel reflects your personal travel style the most? I mean, not travel style, per, your personal fashion style. Uh, that's such a, that's a, that's a good one. I would have to say, I would think London okay. in the sense of London has no rules. It's a very um, grassroots kind of fashion movement as compared to like an Italy or a Milan or a Paris and France mm -hmm. in London, literally there's no rules. It's very similar to a New York, New York aesthetic where like the more you break the rules, the better it is in the sense of like someone could wear a shoe on their head and in London people would be like yeah made that rocks right where like in London or like in Paris or Milan they'd be like what are you doing I also think um London has a really great like started at the bottom now we're here like a lot of their fashion trends start with the working class and I have a lot of respect for people who make fashion out of nothing right it reminds me a lot of Harlem where I live now where people who don't have much but value style they're incredibly ingenious and in how they put together an outfit and it's why you know for so long major fashion houses would come to Harlem to look at what the kids were wearing because those kids were rubbing two nickels together but they look so fly right yeah. they just figured out how to put an outfit together and so for me I would say outside of New York I really love the fashion in Harlem it's really underground it's really edgy it's really grungy but it's also like very unapologetic and it doesn't play by rules and even though like I am type A and I'm a well-behaved person inside. I'm a rebel. And so that all <laughs> really speaks to me. And that made me think of, um, I, for the life of me, cannot remember what the name of it is, but I want to say, what's her name? Misha Hilton, Misa Hilton. Yeah. The like, um, yep. She's a stylist. Yep. There's a documentary with herself. I want to say, um, Tally is it isn't it um, um Leon Tally yep Andre Tally uh, yep. there are a couple of people in it and they were basically talking about like early 90s fashion yeah. like late 80s when like bad boy was really coming yep. out in like the the 90s and early 2000s and how she basically styled all of them yeah and how she was so instrumental and I really just and that's to me where I can connect with fashion because it's not about necessarily the looks for me. It's about the expression for me. And yeah. I really, really appreciated listening to people's stories about why this is the look they went for or how they had to make something out of nothing and they had to figure it out or how they just had like these ideas and these pictures in their head. And they're like, well, I'm gonna make it an outfit. Like there's a concept. Yeah. And now I am making this like a piece of art. And it's kind of the same thing where I'm not like um, an artsy girl in the, uh, I'd say in the traditional sense. And like, I prefer, uh, what's the, uh, natural history is my favorite museum. That okay. museum of natural history, anywhere you put me with a museum that's got some kind of history in it, 
on board. I'm stopping. I'm reading the plaques. Sure. I'm taking pictures of the plaque so that I can reference the information in the future. I love it. But if I were to go to the Met or like to the Guggenheim and, you know, the play, where the art is, right? Right. I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, it's cute, I guess, girl, whatever. But give me a story behind it or ask me what I see in it. And then there's an entirely new, like there's a new appreciation. And I feel like I kind of had that same kind of connection with travel where it's like yeah. you go for a really cute vacation and you're on the beach and you're just like, oh, girl, let me get this drink. I'm gonna lay on the sands and look right. at the water. And then you realize, oh, there's a story behind this. There's like, yeah. there's stories behind the people that are helping me. There are stories there's behind- stories behind clothing. There's everything. all stories behind clothing. And if and you just- Every trend that's out right now, like the other day I was teaching a fashion class and we were talking about how everybody's wearing teddy bear coats this winter. And they have been on trend for at least three to five years. But I was saying, think about it. We're in a quarantine. No one is comfortable. Like we're in the middle of a social mm -hmm. justice movement. A, like a teddy bear coat is like wearing a yeah. teddy bear. Like teddy bears represent comfort. Like that's what I love about fashion that you can peel the layers back yeah. and you can see the inner story. And it's a human story just mm -hmm. expressed through articles of clothing. And to me, that makes the outfit so much deeper. And I always say shopping is better when you know the story. Like yeah. there's nothing better than buying a piece, but then not only connecting with the story that the designer had for it, but the story that it becomes in your life. Like, oh, I wore this when my dad retired. Like that piece mm -hmm. will always represent, it'll be a marker in your life. And to me, that's what makes fashion so powerful. And that's why I love it. Yeah, one of my favorite little looks that I can pull together. Okay. This little jump, it's not little, but it's a denim jumper. It's like, um, it's full pants and like a tube top. And I got it in St. Bart's with my mom. Nice. So it's always like the one thing that I got from the shop because yeah. there's also this bucket bag that was perfect. I mean- the it was just the softest uh like a leather. deep rich eggplant leather and it was a bucket oh. bag maybe about like a six inch base eight inches tall like it was the cutest little perfect little size and I didn't get it oh no and I didn't get it so I always remember what I didn't get yeah but I do also remember what I did get and I always like you said like I I tie the pieces that I've got from different places to the travels that I you know was in the middle of when I picked them up. And I, I, I can't, there's some stuff that I never wear. There's some stuff that you just buy and you buy it because you're in the airport. And you're like, oh, it's a t-shirt. Like it's like a souvenir, but you still always have it. And you never know that the beauty of fashion is that you might one day have a daughter or a son that you can give to wear it. And then it will still be part of your family's history and story. And that's the beautiful part. That's why you can never go wrong with a t-shirt. I always pick up a t-shirt wherever I go because that's another thing where I know I'm going to wear it. Yeah. I absolutely, def as I've gotten older, I've tried to only spend my money on things that I know that I'll actually hold on to. Cause it's like, I, you, there are a million things you see and you want when you're about, I often shop with my eyes the same way I'll eat with my eyes. And then I get, right. and then I'm like, I can't finish this. I'm never going to wear this. Right. I got a clutch that I was mentioning in another episode that I, where am I going? Right. It was cute though. So right. I got it. But so being that your experience is on Airbnb and I would assume that unlike me, somebody from New do people from New York actually book? Like do people book in their own areas or do you it mostly started. get tourists? Sadly, it was really picking up at the end of 2000. 
19, more and more New Yorkers were using Airbnb to find local, you know, staycation weekend trips. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of got thwarted by the pandemic, but a majority of my attendees are international. So what does that look like? Do you have to cater your um, experience to fit different people where they come in? Okay, so how is that received? Harlem. They're, they're coming to Harlem and I'm very clear in my description that you're coming to Harlem, you're coming to a black enclave, you're coming to a place that is rich in African-American history and I don't tailor it because I'm gonna give you the true tea. I'm always gonna give it to you in a way that is easy to understand and digest, but I'm not, I'm not going to tailor Taylor Harlem for you, mm -hmm. you're lucky to come to Harlem. You're lucky to experience that culture and that community. And so I'm gonna show you how great it is so that you can appreciate it. And I'm gonna try to make critical connections with your own story, but I'm not editing Harlem. Harlem is dope exactly as it is. And sadly with gentrification, it's already being edited enough. And so yeah. for me, my tour is very much about honoring the history of Harlem, the fashion history of Harlem. So anybody who takes my tour, I think I share it in a dynamic and engaging enough way that no one, no one's ever complained, but you're coming for Harlem and I'm, I'm not apologizing for that, nor am I tailoring it for you. Welcome. Enjoy it. It's dope. Like, that's all it is. Like, yeah, you booked the flight. Like you're here. You know what it is, yeah. And I, I'm, I've only, I don't get really bad reviews. I'm not tuning my own horn, but I put a lot into my work. But I did get one um, bad review from these two ladies from Paris who, and I was just kind of like, sweetie, have you Googled Harlem? Have you heard of the Harlem? Like, I don't know. Like, I think they came and they thought they were gonna go to like Bergdorf Goodman. And I was like, but that's on you, sweetie, because everybody knows what Harlem is. And if you don't know what Harlem is, that's really on you. Like, I'm never gonna apologize for what Harlem is. And then ever. why would you book a tour to go to a department store? Yeah, it's very, it's, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I mean, I've toured, I can't even tell you how many people have taken my tour. It's a large number because I've been doing it for about three years, four years. Mm -hmm. they, am I, I can count on one hand the amount of people who came to Harlem and were disappointed. Like it is what it is and it's still. Right. So I know that you've got um, another base in Atlanta. How yeah. do you balance the different regions and how do the different regions play on, you know, the tours? Because I know that now that we are more of a global community, if you will, with social media and internet as it is, I mean, someone in Peru is rocking the exact same outfit that I am. Like we can all get on Zara. We can all get sure. to Gap and Old Navy and, you know, we can find a lot of these stores in our local areas. So some aspects of fashion are you know very similar in the sense that people from almost anywhere can get their hands on some of the very same items how have you had to cater the different experiences for the different areas that you're in especially like being in atlanta and in um, new york i know back if you think of music for example like yeah. the south has their own sound and i know when i go down south not as much i can't say it when was, when was the last time i went down south hmm. It's been a minute, but I remember one time I went and I was looking at the clothes for some people and I'm just like. It's a different aesthetic and there's, there's cool overlaps. I, 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 I only work in minority, um, minority based communities um, and I only work with minority owned boutiques and there's a difference. Like if you go to a department store and even Zara, Zara differs, differs regionally and even varies by city. Like the Zara 
you know, that's uptown and the Upper West Side is very different from the Zara and the Lower East Side because the customers are different. But I think because I work with local artisans, there's much more free expression. There's less a corp less of a corporate vision. And so what I really like is that there is overlap, like Harlem is a black community and so is Atlanta in many ways, right? It's a chocolate city. So there are overlaps with things like statement teas are really big in black communities, mainly because black people are used to not being listened to, right? So statement teas are a way of making, of saying, making your point without having to open your mouth, right? So you're gonna see a lot of graphic teas in Atlanta as compared, exactly, as compared to Harlem. But again, history plays a really big part. Music plays a really big part migration patterns pay, yeah. place a really big part. So I like when there's convergences and I'm like, I like when I get to tell similar stories, but I'm really it's really important to me to do the research. Like I spend a lot of time before these tours being an anthropologist, like study archival research and participant observation and ethnography. Like I'm doing all that stuff to make sure that I'm truly understanding the story that's being told and I'm touching base with the people in the community. I've lived in Harlem for about 15 years on and off. I still go to original Harlemites and say like, am I getting this right? Like, I think y'all wear this because of this. Is that right? Because I'm never gonna be some, an original Harlemite. I'm just someone who's lived here for a really long time. And so I really rely on the voices of the community to make sure that I understand what those trends mean to them and the story that they want me to tell. It's not me making the story. It's them making the story. I'm just kind of the person reading the book. Oh, my tour guides are the people reading the book. So there are always gonna be, I mean, the, we've learned in the last year that the minority experience is very specific in the US, right? So there's gonna be overlaps. Like it's not easier to be black. Well, maybe it is in some ways, like easier to be black in one place than another, but there's some gonna be some core marginalization that we all share, right? Mm -hmm. And that will show up in the clothing. And then there'll be other areas where like, oh, it's easier to be a minority here because we're more accepted. And so we might be wilder with our style, but these are the kind of nuances that I wanna highlight on my tour so that maybe the next time you're in Chicago and you see someone wearing a graphic tee, you're like, oh, I get it. Like, oh, that's what I, reminds me of something that I saw in Harlem. And you can see these cultural transfers, like that's what's really important for me. So from an anthropologist's point of view in the realm of travel, how would you say that someone who doesn't necessarily uh, know much about an area, like where would be outside of Google, right? Because Google is just like an easy, I don't want to say it's an easy answer, but I find that a lot of times when I Google, sometimes I'm not sure if I can trust, you know, the, the source of the information because I'm oh. not as familiar with who or what may be the, uh, the most prominent sources of information in a different sure. country, right? So in terms of your experience in travels, how have you find how have you found the easiest ways to like immerse yourself in a culture, but without having to without having the opportunity to be there for three months or for like a year? Like if you're doing like a week, right? You can have conversations, but if you're a little more reserved and you don't necessarily want to speak with people, or if you don't necessarily feel as safe in an area speaking to people, what kind of ways do you suggest somebody can really get, um, I don't wanna say get their foot in the door or put their 10 toes down, but like how do you really immerse yourself in a culture in terms of the fashion and people? Yeah, I think social media is a great place to start. I think Instagram is a, because in many ways, Instagram is self-authoring and in many ways, hashtags tell a cohesive story. So even within academic, practices of anthropology, we use social media a lot as a source because that's people telling their own story. 
So yeah, I think Instagram, because it's such a visible platform, and I guess to some point TikTok now, because I do really like what the kids are doing <laughs> as an old person. I really like what the kids are doing on the TikTok. No, um, kids really too. Feeling. Yeah, kids. You really, you really get a feeling, right? You really get a feeling for um, the ways in which people author themselves within those spaces. Um, there's a lot of great blogs. A lot of travelers are blogging and you should use that network of bloggers um, to see you know, what lens and what perspective they're bringing to things. But I think there's nothing that's ever gonna be as good as being on the road and talking to people. And I think if you're a traveler, like you already have a certain level of inquisitiveness and courage, right? Like if you're not courageous and if you're really, really shy, you probably don't travel. So I think someone who wants to go to another culture and explore it already at base core has some level of interest that trumps their shyness or trumps their introvertedness. And so I, as an anthropologist, I always say you should boots on the ground, talk to people. And if you can't talk to people, then stay home. Like what's the point of going to a community and not really getting a feel for the people and getting the true tea about like what's happening in that community. So, I mean, I think, you know, research online, I think social media is a great platform, but I think there's nothing better than just like sitting on a corner. And I do this all the time when I travel and just watching people. Yeah. And then maybe someone from the community come and sits beside you and you say, hey, have you lived here long? Like what's, ha like, what's happening? What's the story about this neighborhood? And then it just kind of all unfolds and you start to notice like, oh, I'm noticing that all these people are wearing the same type of necklace or I'm noticing all these people are wearing like the same cut of jean. Like, what's the story with that? Like, where do you buy that? Like, where'd you get that? Like, why do people wear that? And those stories are just so rich and exciting. And people really want to tell you their story. Like, yeah. I've never had anybody be mean to me or say like, why are you asking all these questions? Like, people want to tell me more. They want to tell me where I can buy it. They want to introduce me to their cousin who's also yeah. a designer. And it's just like, it's just, it just makes traveling so much more rich and amazing. Have you had any um, travel faux pas? Like, have you ever found yourself to be um, on the, I guess, wrong end of a, a fashion decision while you've been traveling, perhaps? I don't think so, but I think I'm also like tra trained as an anthropologist. So I don't think I'm like the average person. I do a lot of research before I go anywhere because I just want to know what I, I want to know as much as I can before I actually land. Um, no, I don't, I haven't had any, um, travel faux pas, but I think it's only because a, I have my doctorate. So like, I'm a super nerd and like, the, I want to know everything all the time. Um, and I'm also just really thoughtful. Like it's such an easy way to offend people and it's so unnecessary. Right. So like just being thoughtful about these things. And like, again, it's like going into someone's home and you just want to be thoughtful. Like I want to know before I come to your house, is your mom conservative? Cause maybe I'm not going to wear my pum pum shorts today. You know, like those little things, like those are the little things to be mindful of. And I think we should treat people's culture like their homes. And I think sometimes we don't, but we should. Have your travels overall um, influenced your style in the sense that they may have changed it? Like being that you've been to so many places, have you okay. um, decided like, you know what, this is it. Or oh, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, I think there needs to be a certain level of ownership. I can definitely say like, so after we migrated to Boston, we moved to Florida when I was 10. So in many ways, I feel like I'm a Floridian and the style and fashion in Florida is tight and bright. Like it's hot. It's a lot of like ethnic. There's a lot of Caribbeans and Latin American people. And so like bright colors are in because, you know, darker complexions, it's hot. That's what you wear. 
Um, moving to New York has definitely made my closet majority black, but I think that's because I own New York as a home, right? So I wouldn't say that traveling to other, I never travel to a country and not buy one article of clothing. Like most people will buy a souvenir. My souvenir is always an article of clothing. Um, but I never really feel like I've ever moved to a place where I'm like, I'm going to start rocking this all the time. Right. But I think part and parcel of me deciding that New York was now my home as an adult. I started wearing all black because in many ways, like that's New York uniform, right? And it'd be interesting if I moved some someplace else and stopped wearing all black. But when I claimed New York, I claimed its fashion sense and I felt really good about that. And I think, to be honest, as a fashion anthropologist, I couldn't live in a city where the fashion was, where I didn't think the fashion was dope, right? Like, I don't think I could live in a place where I wasn't inspired sartorially every day when I walk, my walk out of my house because that would just like kill my soul. And I've definitely lived in countries where like, they didn't really rock what I would want to wear. Mm -hmm. And I was restless. Like I was restless. Okay. I love living in New York because literally on the subway, I'm like, oh girl, I'm about to rock that outfit next week. Oh, I never thought to put that together. Like New York inspires me every single day because everybody is so thoughtful about what they wear. It's kind of why it became my home in many ways. Where do you think the driest place that you've been fashion wise has been? Like, where is there like no inspiration for you? Oh, this is gonna be so terrible. Well, um, oh, I feel bad to say it, but like Texas, like I went to Houston once and I was just like, everything is very beige. Like the buildings were beige. People were wearing a lot of khaki. It just, I mean, like if khaki's your jam, like rock on, Godspeed to you. But yeah, I, I remember being in Houston and being like, yeah, I, I can't, but that was a really long time ago. And I've heard that, you know, people, a lot more people have moved to Texas and a lot of New Yorkers actually moved to Texas. So maybe it's different now. A but yeah, yeah, to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you need a little slice. And I think it's important to also realize that like no city is a monolith. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, like the style in Harlem is so different from the style in Brooklyn. And so I think you can find a place in any city where you're like, I like the style here. Like this is dope. Yeah. You just have to like find, find your people. You got to find your people. And then you'll notice them through the clothing, which is awesome. Outside of London, have you found that it's like, I've, I don't know if I... Where would you consider or where would you refer people travel for different like style types? Like I, I would assume that if you're like high-end uh, Dior, Balenciaga and all the girls, you're going to go Paris and Milan. Asia too, I, I, South Korea, like certain parts, Hong Kong, really good high-end, elegant fashion, you know, monochromatics, really sophisticated silhouettes expensive fabrications yeah you definitely want to go you want to go to those places I, I think I think again to your question I think it really depends person by person one of the things I kind of hate is like in fashion magazines where they're like the 10 pieces that everybody should have I don't subscribe to that like I don't know your lifestyle I don't know what you do today today I don't know how clean you need to be you know what time you go to bed I think each person needs to really go and find the place that speaks to them and sadly, sometimes within mainstream fashion, we really want to have these like cookie cutter, like if you wear this when that with this, then it's a perfect outfit. And nah, boo, like that might not be the perfect outfit for you. Like most times when I look at those things, I'm like, yeah, I would never wear that. And I dress like I dress every day. Like I'm not dressed now because it's been a very long day and I've been in meetings all day, but like I stay styled. And I don't wear half the clothing that I see in magazines. And that's because I feel confident, confident enough to self-author myself with clothing. So I don't like telling people, like people will come to me and say like, where should I go? And I'm like, you, that's like part of the fun. It's the investigation and the adventure of like finding that boutique in this random side 
street in Geneva. And then they had like this dress that was the perfect dress and it's your favorite dress and the fabric and the color is everything you ever wanted. Like, I can't tell you that you gotta find it. It's like finding your professional passion. Like you gotta find your style story. You have to find your style story and don't ask other people for it because that's part of understanding yourself better, right? Like you think you don't like style because you like t-shirts, but that is your style and that's super dope. And I'm sure it's not all t-shirts, it's certain types of t-shirts. It's probably t-shirts that have like a social justice message, right? So like you can't ask anybody what, where, where to find clothing because they won't know you the way you know you. And like, that's what makes it fun to me at least. Yeah, you you could see your enjoyment for <laughs> the fashion and this. Well, I love, yeah, I love fashion style. So I much. personally love a good thrift store. I yeah. that's one thing that I do miss. I do miss being able to um, hop in. I used to um, work in downtown Brooklyn, okay. and that's one of the things I prided myself on is being nice. knowing where all the shops oh. were and walking yeah. from my job. And I was a regular in quite a few of them. Okay. And I find that even outside of just clothes, you find a lot of little tchotchkes and shit yep. like around the house and just like, oh shit, this is actually what I needed. I've been looking for this and yeah. now I have to pay, you know, full price and all that jazz. I, I really do um, think that that's one of the things that I'm going to look into, spend more time looking when I leave is find, well, when I travel again, is finding like more thrift, thrift shops. Cause yeah, I think like that's a really good way to see what, Depending on where you go, because I, I, you kind of want to get a feel for the community, but sure. then kind of like when you go to say a, um, what was it? Oh, it was Housing Works. I used to love the Housing Works on Montague Street. Okay. And I liked it because it's in the middle of downtown Brooklyn versus, well, it's because it was more in the Brooklyn, it was in Brooklyn Heights sure. versus the Goodwill on, what was it on? Like on Fulton. I think it's on um, like, it's by the, uh, the I want to say the high street or one of them AC stops and it, you, they're walking distance, right? Maybe like half a mile, uh, 0.8 of a mile apart, but just the quality in the clothes were sure. so different. And so they basically kind of told the story of the neighborhood they were in. hundred percent, a hundred percent. A whole lot more way. and gap in the housing works versus you know a lot of forever 21 and h&m shit or just what are those in the one that's on fulton you you gotta know where you're going my tour in atlanta we we operate in a little on a really cute community called little five points and there's great there so when next time you go to atlanta God willing, like, I hope you'll be able to take my tour because there's really good thrifting in the neighborhood that I that I do my tours there. I was actually there. Um, in Little Five Points? Yeah, two October ago, I want to say. And there was like this, re- it was really cute and I was surprised. I love that neighborhood. I love that Whenever neighborhood. Whenever I'd go into Atlanta, I'd always just visit family, right? So I would go to like, um, what's the, not, Peachtree. Um, <laughs> and then I don't know um, where Shanti's at, but I know they're all in Atlanta, right? So I would go family reunion you stay at this one hotel or you go visit or you stay the next uh visit your day you stay at this person's house the whole time and I was like in my 20s right so we were just partying we were having a good time I wasn't shopping but the last time I did go I was in that and there was this really cute like uh not strip mall but like a whole bunch of stores and they had yeah, that's where I get my tours that's where I get my and all those all those boutiques are minority owned, not the thrift stores, but the like newer, newer, like, you know, ready to wear clothing. They're yes. all minority owned and they have been 
little five points like the history of that neighborhood is so dope I really hope people in Atlanta will take that tour because it's kind of always been a community of beatniks and there used to be motorcycle gangs there and on one side of the street it'd be all black and on the other side of the street it'd be all white and like they would shop at different grocery stores but they would still be a community like it's just a really dope place so yeah um I'm glad that you got to go there it's a really really nice community and a lot of minority small business ownership yeah. that's really important yeah. to support you, can get, you get that vibe from it also yeah. it feels real uh boutique without yeah. having and but i what i appreciated was that there was also a very vast uh price point like you could yeah. find something for everybody like yeah. i didn't feel priced out like i'm not uh spending three hundred dollars on yeah. one Right, like I don't have that. New York though, because I remember the first time I ever went to that neighborhood. I, I was with a friend from Florida. She's Jamaican too, and she was taking me. Around, and I was like, everything here is so inexpensive, and she was like, that's because you live in New York, where everything <laughs> is so expensive. I was like, why is this dress only fifty dollars in New York? This would be a hundred and fifty dollars. So I think yep. also just coming from New York price points. Yeah, little five, you can get dope, dope stuff and not yes. break your pocket in the way you would in New York. Yeah, definitely. Have you shifted any way for now that we're doing a lot more digital consumption in terms of since you are, or are you still doing everything um, in person with COVID? How have you, you know, have so I've you already kind of been wanting to create an app for the tours for people who can't travel. Cause right now, like as a business person, I'm really beholden to people who can physically go and take my tour. Mm -hmm. So I've been really toying with that. And as I think about how I'm going to relaunch there, I've always wanted to make an app where people could virtually take the tour and, and that's a growing movement within the tour industry. Um, and it's something I'm definitely thinking about because I want people to support these local minority owned boutiques regardless of whether they can go there, right? Because the whole point is to help them to survive. The only reason why I started this tour is because I was a fashion designer and I couldn't get anybody to buy my stuff who I didn't know, right? It was just my friends and family. And I'm expensive. So like that wasn't enough money, right? Yeah. So for me, it was like, how can I get people who don't know these boutique owners to start to support them? So I started the tour company. And so I want to really broaden that scope. And so I am very much thinking about doing a virtual app situation. So if anybody's watching this and they're a developer slash coder, holla at your girl, because it's something I've been exploring. I was exploring it before the pandemic, but I feel really called to do it even more now. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting to see where the dust settles. I mean, I have boutique communities in Harlem, Atlanta, and LA, and I don't know who's going to survive after the pandemic. So I'm just kind of waiting to see who's left standing and try to support them as much as they can once this is over. Yeah, I feel like if you're able to do some variation of this that can be virtual, yeah. you can also extend to people like outside of being able to physically, of course, yeah. be in those areas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would love if you had something in London that spoke to all the really cool people. Yeah, the goal is to have this everywhere. Like, I literally want you to go to Uzbekistan and be like, I'm gonna take a sidewalk safari. And with the minority culture in Uzbekistan, whoever they might be, right? Because there's always gonna be a majority in a minority culture and we've yeah. gotta support yeah. minority artisans, especially minority fashion artisans, because most times they're just like co-opted and then mm -hmm. they go out of business and they become accountants. And I'm like, no, you're an amazing creative. You just didn't have the platform that you needed. So. Even though I'm doing a lot of work in diversity and inclusion right now, I will never give up my tour company and I'll always be committed to helping small fashion artisans survive because that's where the real creativity is. And it's created before Zara, you know, steals the design and sells it for one third of the price. So that's really important for me to maintain. Okay, last question for you. Sure. How have you grown through your fashions? How is just how how have you seen yourself grow? 
Yeah, I think we all do. I think if, you know, I'm teaching a class right now for John Jay where it's a black hair class and I've had the students tell me their hair story. And so like we literally start from birth till they're however old they are now. You know, it just, it, it, you can tell your relationship with yourself through your clothing, right? So like I'm 5'11", I'm very, very skinny, like no ass, none of that shit, no pumps in the bumps, nothing. And like <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was so insecure about that. And I used to like, and I'm, I can't even believe I'm admitting this, but like I used to wear like double pants, like because I wanted to look thicker. Um, I never showed my legs because they were olive oil legs. And, you know, I now it's like you can't get me out of stuff that short. Like I'm I, I love anything pom pom like, yes, OK, I have to stop yeah. like right at the top of my thigh. Right. And that evolution of like self-love of my body and acceptance of my body and being like, even though everybody now is getting like a Meg the Stallion bomb. I love my little bomb. Like I'm happy with it. It works for me and I'm gonna show it off in my little short shorts. And so, yeah, I, I think the more you love yourself, the more you understand yourself. Like I know what cuts flatter my body. Like I'm 5'11", I have a broad back. So like, I know what like looks good on a broad back. So I don't look like a football player. Like these things, like, I think all of us, if we're doing it right, we begin to love and accept parts of ourselves that we weren't smart enough, educated enough, evolved enough to appreciate when we were younger. And you can see that in the fashion, right? And recently a colleague said to me, like, in many ways, our closets are like a collection, you know, like there's certain cuts that we, and that's how your closet should feel. It should feel like a collection because you know what colors look great with your skin tone. You know what cuts flatter your body. You know what you feel comfortable with. And so, yeah, I think the evolution of my closet has just been a, real, a, a an evolution of my of me falling in love with myself. And I think when you're younger, you you decide your fashion based on external things like what boys are going to look at me or what girls are going to look at me, who says I'm cute in this. And then by the time you hit my age, like I don't care if anybody says I look cute in it because I know I'm cute already. Right. And that's all that really matters. And I think just owning that. I'm, there's no greater gift. Right. I, I think there's no greater gift. So where can the people find you? Where can we find sidewalk safaris? Where can we find Dr. Brown? <laughs> so if you look for me, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm at sidewalk safaris and I haven't been able to give a tour. Literally my last tour was like at the beginning of March last year. And it's just like hurts my soul. Cause like Atlanta was doing well and Harlem was doing well. And like every day I had like fully booked tours in both and like, it will come back, it will come back. But you can find me on, but I'm doing a lot of work now, like I said, around diversity and inclusion and diversity and inclusion as it applies to fashion. And so you can see what I'm doing there at Sidewalk Safaris on IG. And then also, if you go to my website, Sidewalk Safaris, you can book a tour when that is all up and running. And on Thursdays at seven, me and two colleagues, because I teach at Cornell, two colleagues from Cornell, we do a clubhouse where we talk about fashion and diversity. So the name of that clubhouse club is um, at Fashion Academics. So if you okay. are looking, please check us out on Clubhouse. We have really good conversations. Um, this Thursday, we're talking about the role of Asian culture within the fashion industry and tying it to what just happened last week. So we're really approaching fashion from a very critical and political space. And so if that interests you, definitely hop into the room. We're having really good conversations there. What time is that? 7 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. Every Thursday. Okay. Fashion academics. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. you. I'm so glad that we're friends. Thank you. So am I. I will absolutely be hitting you offline uh, about a couple things and a couple things I got. Great. um, Thank you again for joining me. And this was absolutely just another example. I really like just proving my fucking point, y'all. Fashion, uh, not fashion. Travel is so much more than vacation. There is a way to tie every piece of your life to travel absolutely this is the hill i'm gonna die on i'm well i don't want to die on it but it's a good hill hill. i'm gonna set up shop binksy moving in this is the hill i am on there is a tie to fashion i keep saying fashion like because it's so dope because fashion is so dope fashion is dope it is fashion is everything that's why you keep saying it travel is so much more than vacation the same as fashion is so much more than just clothes and I really think that when you find your thing and when you find the way that that thing works for you it unlocks so many doors agreed so hit up Michaela sidewalksafari.com yep hit up dcarry travelingshippodcast.com we got the infos for you she's got the doctorate level infos I got I've seen a couple things info. <laughs> so <laughs> that works. You got a street so, PhD. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Whatever vibe you want, baby, come see us. We out here. So thanks for joining us this week, guys. And I will see you all next week. Bye, Bye everybody.